0: Welcome to Season 2 of Deconstructing the Myth, a podcast for those deconstructing American Evangelical Christianity. This season, I, Elizabeth Maul, and Jenny White will dive into the theology and history behind confusing and controversial Bible passages. We hope to be a resource for you on your journey, no matter where you come from or where you land. Good morning, Jenny. Good morning. We are having our first episode of season two. To be honest, it's not our first time doing this, is it?
1: <laughs> we had a practice run, but it's okay. I am still just as excited as the first time. We
0: had a ton of notes the first time, but no real like flow, mm-hmm. so we were just kind of scrambling. But I think we got it. Figured out definitely now and it's good because we are going to do something fun this season which is a game at the beginning of each episode called is it the Bible and how it works is is it the Bible or is it something else and this kind of came about because the first time we tried to record our topic for today which is Sodom and Gomorrah I was like this is so much like game of thrones mm-hmm. and you were you've never seen game of thrones correct correct you you pure <laughs> you pure of mind hardly <laughs> so i thought i want to do is it the bible or game of thrones to start and let's be clear this entire episode's going to need probably the explicit rating or at least a trigger mm-hmm. warning as far as abuse sexual violence murder the, the whole gamut that's what we find in genesis about sodom and gomorrah so let's just stick that trigger warning also onto our bible game we're just going to start out hot yes. and heavy right here right now okay okay so jenny as someone right. who has not watched game of thrones but mm-hmm. who is well versed in the bible tell me is this the bible or game <laughs> of thrones the first question which of those has dragons
1: I want to say both. Both have dragons because I have seen pictures of dragons in Game of Thrones. And yes, I know in Revelation there's a dragon. So I'm saying both.
0: Correct. Pretty unanimously, especially in the scholarly world, the dragons in the Bible are considered metaphorical. But the word dragon is used, like you said, in Revelation. And there are a few mentions of a beast that could be a dragon elsewhere but it's still considered metaphorical or referring to a different kind of animal so for your next question which one of these the bible or game of thrones has unicorns
1: i don't think there are unicorns in the bible so i'm going to say game of thrones so i didn't think there were unicorns in game of thrones so
0: Mm. (laughs) so this is a little bit of a trick question there are none in game of thrones in the king james version there are a few times a word is rendered as unicorn what but it's wild it's wild (laughs) but a lot of people think the better rendering would be like wild ox or rhinoceros Mm -hmm. which makes that makes more sense yes but it did sneak in there as unicorn (laughs) okay so now for a little bit more of the twisted Mm -hmm. references Two starving women agree to eat their children in order to survive. But after eating the first woman's child, the second woman hides her son so they cannot eat him.
1: This sounds a little bit like the story, one about Solomon and the, the babies. But I think that this is from Game of Thrones.
0: It's actually the Bible. What? Yeah, it is in 2 Kings 6. It's when Elisha is a prophet. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty brief. It's not one that gets a lot of airtime. Okay, our next question. A queen's son dies, so she asks her eldest brother to kill her younger brother, who she blames for her child's death, and then the elder brother proceeds to rape her.
1: This also sounds like it could have happened to one of David's kids, but I'm going to say Game of Thrones because I don't think this exact iteration happened. So, Game of Thrones.
0: You are correct. Woo! Yep. It was in Game of Thrones. I actually forgot this scene happened because there's so much nudity in Game of Thrones. This one actually doesn't show anything. So your uh. mind is so desensitized at that point. You're like, oh. Nothing happened. Just another day. Just another day. <laughs> in the life of, of Game of Thrones. So anyways, last question. A father has two unexpected guests come to his home. He offers his virgin daughters to a violent mob that comes to the door who want to sexually abuse his guests and in a turn of events later on, the daughters rape the dad. I know. I I know you know this one. <laughs> because it
1: is in the Bible.
0: And it's our segue into our talk today. This is a twisted passage found in the Bible, so we're gonna hit it hard today. So in Genesis 18 and 19, we read this account where God tells Abraham he's about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because, quote, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous. Abraham's nephew, Lot, and his family live there, so Abraham negotiates with God, asking if there are 50 righteous people, if God would spare the cities, and when God agrees, abraham asks well what if there's 45 what if there's 40 all the way down to 10 and god agrees that if there are 10 righteous people in the cities they will not be destroyed but 10 righteous people are not found there so god sends two angels to lot's home to get them out of there before the cities are destroyed when the townsmen see that lot takes two visiting men into his home who are the angels. They come outside Lot's door as a mob and demand that the visitors be brought out so the townsmen can rape them. Lot says, no, this is wrong, you shouldn't do this, and he tries to appease them by offering his virgin daughters to the mob to be abused by them, but the mob does not want the daughters. The angels strike the mob with blindness and Lot and his family are urged by the angels to leave in haste and not look back as the towns are about to be destroyed by burning sulfur. So Lot and his family flee to a nearby town but Lot's wife does look back at what is happening behind her and she's turned into a pillar of salt. Later on, Lot and his daughters settle in the mountains and the girls believe since they have no men around to marry and continue their family line, they need to take matters into their own hands. So they get their father drunk, have sex with him on two consecutive nights, and they both get pregnant that way and are able to continue the family line. So there is a lot going on in this section of the Bible. So before we get into some of the messy theology about it, could you set the scene for us with the location and the background about what we know about these places archaeologically?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Sodom and Gomorrah are possibly located under or adjacent to the shallow waters south of Al-Issan, a former peninsula in the central part of the Dead Sea in Israel that now fully separates the sea's northern and southern basins. Archaeological evidence indicates that the area was once fertile in the Middle Bronze Age, with fresh water flowing into the Dead Sea in sufficient amounts to sustain agriculture.
0: So this is kind of fascinating because Lot and Abraham were shepherds, and Mm -hmm. Lot decided to go to that area because it
1: looked like a really good place for his flocks. Right. We read that earlier in Genesis. Right. In, in kind of the modern times, people have been interested in identifying exactly where Sodom and Gomorrah were in the Sea Basin. And going back to 1847, a 16-member expedition set off from New York to the Holy Land, led by Lieutenant William Lynch, to find Sodom and Gomorrah. He did not find the ancient cities, but he did say in his journal, there can scarcely be a doubt that the whole Jordan Valley has sunk from some extraordinary convulsion, preceded most probably by an eruption of mm. fire. So I thought that was just an interesting little tidbit. Yeah. Um, moving on, um, by about 100 years, a little over, in 1975, digs in Syria found cuneiform tablets that supposedly referred to the existence of a city known as Sodom, or something like that though not all scholars agree. So that's good to point out that there is some other historical evidence of these cities in that area. Hmm. Jumping ahead again, in 2015, Steve Collins, an American archaeologist, gave an interview to Popular Archaeology about Tal el-Haman, a site in the Jordan Valley, that he has been excavating for 10 years. And he says, When we explored the area, the choice of Tal el-Haman As the site of Sodom was virtually a no-brainer, since it was at least five to ten times larger than all the other Bronze Age sites in the entire region. It was a huge undertaking, requiring millions of bricks and obviously a large number of laborers. Uh, Very recently, this site has received more attention due to an article that Collins published in the journal Nature Scientific Reports that examines the possible causes of destruction to Tal el haman based on the archaeological record. The researchers, and these researchers are Collins and his team, they concluded that warfare, a fire, a volcanic eruption, or an earthquake were unlikely culprits, as these events couldn't have produced heat intense enough to cause the melting recorded at the scene. That left a space rock as the most likely cause. Because experts failed to find a crater at the site, they attributed the damage to an airburst created when a meteor or comet traveled through the atmosphere at high speed, it would have exploded about 2.5 miles above the city in a blast 1,000 times more powerful than the atomic bomb used at Hiroshima. Oh my air gosh. temperatures, yeah, air temperatures rapidly rose to 3,600 degrees Fahrenheit, which I honestly can't even conceptualize how hot that is. An archaeologist uh, at the University of South Carolina, Christopher Moore, explains that at this temperature, clothing and wood immediately burst into flames, swords, spears, mud bricks, and pottery began to melt. Almost immediately, the entire city was on fire. And then, seconds after that, know, a blast, a shockwave, ripped through the city at a speed of roughly 740 miles per hour, faster than the worst tornado ever recorded. The city's buildings were reduced to foundations and rubble. None of the 8,000 people or any animals within the city survived. Their bodies were torn mm. apart and their bones blasted into small fragments. Corroborating the idea that an airburst caused the destruction, the researchers also found melted metals and unusual mineral fragments among the city's ruins. Quote, one of the main discoveries is shocked quartz. These are sand grains containing cracks that form only under very high pressure. This is from uh, an earth scientist at the University of California. The archaeologists also discovered high concentrations of salt in the destruction layer of the site. Possibly from the blast's impact on the Dead Sea or its shores. Salt. Mm -hmm. Keyword, salt. The explosion could have distributed the salt across a wide area, possibly creating high salinity soil that prevented crops from growing and resulted in the abandonment of cities along the lower Jordan Valley for centuries. Hmm. So, that's big, that's exciting. It seems like, oh wow, we have definitely found where Sodom was. However, there has been significant controversy about this publication
0: it sounds just like it's so like that's, that's it. it that's the place and that's what happened mm-hmm. and it was phenomenal and it fit the narrative actually to, to a, a, a t really mm-hmm.
1: shockingly yeah however a group of scholars published an op-ed on sapiens.com and they are disappointed that nature would publish what they call a pseudo-scientific paper that damages scientific integrity and encourages looting at the site
0: So what exactly were their claims like against the
1: research? Scholars dissected the shoddy science, poor analyses of biological remains, edited images, overt religious agenda, and misinterpretations of stratigraphic contexts, particularly those exhibiting evidence of burning. This caused many to wonder about the vetting process and how such a flawed paper made it through peer review. So that's pretty harsh. Yeah. And I listed... Yeah. And... Yeah, go ahead. Could you
0: tell us again, doesn't he have a specific quote about why he was even researching in the first place? Yes, he
1: does. So going back to overt religious agenda as one of the reasons that some people don't like his published publication, um, he stated that his purpose is to verify biblical stories. And his quote is, The insidious little vermin of gnawing doubt about the credibility of the Bible. Christianity is lost in Europe because it lost faith in the biblical text. Post-Christian America is very, very close. Hmm. So he, I think, has the belief that he needs to prove that the Bible is true, and therefore people will turn back to his version of Christianity. So... That can Mm -hmm. be problematic, but I do give him props for acknowledging his bias. Yeah. We all have them. And so I think like good for him to recognize it and then share it. I think that's actually good. And to
0: put it out there. Yeah. Because people can actually have a bias and still do great work. I mean, we all, we see that. Mm -hmm. So I do think that's important, but it can make us more susceptible Mm -hmm. to overlooking important things.
1: Mm -hmm. So. So I just to go back. To finish this up, I pulled out two specific claims that this op-ed disputed, and they said, um, Elizabeth Bick, a microbiologist and scientific integrity consultant, which, by the way, like, what is a scientific integrity consultant? It sounds very fancy. <laughs> it, it does. It does sound fancy. But she said, oh. several photos of the dig sites appear to contain cloned parts, small areas that appear to be visible multiple times within the same photo. So that's... Ooh. Something to consider. Definitely feels a little sketchy. The second claim is from biological anthropologists Megan Perry and Chris Stantis. They analyzed interpretations of the human remains, noting that Hmm. the examination was carried out by a medical doctor and not a trained bioarchaeologist. According to Perry, Hmm. MDs may know the basics of anatomy, but they generally are not experts in interpreting bone taphonomy, or distinguishing between anti-mortem, peri or post-mortem trauma. So to sum this all up, the condemnation of this paper's findings share one common element. Critics assert that the data were made to fit a single hypothesis that Tal el-Haman is biblical Sodom, even if the authors only dangle that connection in their articles and are careful not to make a direct claim so it's like it
0: could be it could also not be exactly we're not sure yes and
1: that's kind of tricky mm -hmm.
0: but you said like some people have i mean did the smithsonian is that
1: what you said they published it it went through peer review and it was published but there are significant disputes to some of the claims they're making some critics yeah
0: interesting so we're not sure but that could be psalm and gamora it could be and if it is true it's it's kind of juicy because yes. it tells like, okay, so there was this colossal like,
1: and everything is just. I don't think anyone is debating that this city was destroyed in some catastrophic way. Like that's not up for debate. Okay. It's just like, what exactly was it? And there's no well, there's no real way I think to say it was absolutely Sodom, unless it's like. You find the the stone that says "Welcome to Sodom," and they're like, "Oh, we found it! Yeah,
0: city limits. The city limits. We yeah. have now entered Sodom."
1: <laughs> but this does this could definitely be it, hypothetically.
0: Probably the most famous theological nugget that people take out of this often, at least that's how it was presented to me, mm-hmm. is homosexuality is wrong clearly god destroyed these cities because of that mm-hmm. um i don't know if that's how you were raised to think about the story but that was sort of how it was presented to me
1: yeah i can't think of an exact like teaching on that but i have just always kind of known. yeah it was because they were practicing homosexuality
0: that was your understanding and it's because when the men of the city come to ask a lot for his guests like it's pretty clear when you Dig into the meaning of the words that they wanted to rape them. Yes. We do have to understand that the Jews at this time operating under Torah law Mm -hmm. did believe homosexuality in all its forms was abominable. Mm -hmm. And that was in the law um, Leviticus eighteen twenty two. So, you know, there are some of the points we're going to bring up about how it not necessarily indicates that homosexuality was the problem. Mm-hmm. We still have to understand the people of the time were likely reading that at least partially when they read the story, that homosexuality was a big part of the problem. But, you know, we are Christians now and we read everything in light of, um, Christ as well. So that will come into play later, yes. but, some people say the city wasn't judged because of the homosexual behavior but because the people were being very cruel they literally are asking to rape visitors to their city yeah um and so some people have said okay it's not because of homosexual activity it's because of inhospitality Mm -hmm. and in my research for this episode you know i found theologians saying really do you really think god's going to destroy these cities just for having bad manners And I think that's kind of misleading. It's because it's not just for bad manners. The hospitality codes of the Middle East in ancient times was extremely high. If you accepted a visitor into your home, which was the honorable thing to do, you were to protect them at all costs. Mm. That really was kind of the idea. So for these two men to be brutally raped, we see in Lot's mind, right or wrong, I will say wrong, but he thought, okay, to offer my daughters is the more honorable thing to do Mm -hmm. than to let these visitors be harmed. So the idea being the people of the city were very cruel. And so some people will say, okay, so homosexual activity is not really the problem here. Mm -hmm. It's, it's this, especially because likely these men are not, homosexual by nature mm. they're doing this as a way to control as a way to demean so we it's clear that psalm and Gomorrah are called greatly wicked it's not exactly explicit in the passage what that meant mm-hmm. um if you actually read the passage it's called that and then we are given a lot of things that happened after that pronouncement was made so you know, it's not as clear as we might think. But in Ezekiel sixteen forty nine through fifty, there is some light that's shed on it. Mm-hmm. And that passage says this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, which is very interesting mm-hmm. given the archaeological context you gave right. us. And they're very wealthy
1: fertile well-off city yes yes
0: and back to the passage they did not aid the poor and needy they were haughty and they did abominable things before me therefore i removed them when i saw it so people will say okay the abominable things that is homosexual mm-hmm. activity but it's not specifically clear in that so i think it's just interesting to see that you know when the bible is interpreting itself we don't necessarily get a clear picture that homosexuality was was to blame Mm,
1: okay i'm gonna step in give you a little bit of pushback, and say what about jude 7 can you talk about that verse a little bit
0: Mm. so jude 7 is a passage that does talk about the sodomite the the sodom and gomorrahites yeah we'll say sodomites (laughs) going after strange flesh that's that's a phrase that is used it's a bit ambiguous Mm -hmm. i think that's partly why i kind of go away from it somewhat. Um, But a lot of people say strange flesh clearly sounds like strange sexual desires that are not natural. Hmm. So uh, there are a variety of ways people interpret that. Some say that they, (laughs) it's because they wanted to become entangled with angelic beings.
1: Yeah. I think I've heard that I, I would be interested in going even deeper. Not now, you know, but just like it's enough now to say that there are various interpretations, but I've never thought of mm-hmm. that. But what I also hadn't thought about is when you're talking about homosexuality, if you look in Torah law, that is listed as something that is a sin. And I actually hadn't connected that mm. to this conversation about Sodom and and what is it actually about and all those things. So I don't know. Yeah. I just thought, like, oh, I, I have to connect that piece as well when evaluating what would they be what would they consider wrong? What was actually going on? And it is interesting though that it's not explicitly stated though. But yet as far as just the homosexuality right or wrong, what does the Bible say? It it is important to remember that that is in the Torah law. So
0: I have kind of come to the thought where And I don't know, my my ideas on on this change constantly. That's partly why we're doing this Mm -hmm. series, so people can have some resources to sort of evaluate their own thoughts on the passages. But I had been really kind of thinking, like, it is not clear. And when things are not clear, to interpret them in light of the way Jesus was living and teaching, Mm -hmm. to me, I think there's a lot of wiggle room as far as saying we should not apply some of the same um, ideas about homosexuality that were previously thought in the old testament a lot of people will disagree on that but yeah, now you can kind of know where i'm that's, coming from that's
1: tricky because there are so many things in the torah that we don't follow now
0: yeah and a good one a good example of this would be kind of how women were treated we will get into this later this season mm-hmm. but sort of the idea that a woman caught in adultery is to be stoned right and we see jesus not stoning that woman in in the mark passage that's sort of characteristic of how we see him dealing with people um so it's just a lot to think about because it's like okay but he's not saying necessarily keep on doing what you're doing i think sometimes we read that into it uh but it's just tricky to think of these things in light of his ethic
1: what they were doing was still considered wrong in that situation right Hmm.
0: because he says go and sin no more so that might be a passage we should look into actually (laughs) but um anyways but there's a lot of thoughts when thinking about how are we supposed to apply the sodom and gomorrah narrative to our modern day lives and i think that's why it is so i think that's part of why some of these passages are so difficult for christians because we want an application Mm -hmm. and we want it now and that's why this passage for me was always taught with this idea that homosexuality clearly shouldn't happen here it is moving on Mm -hmm. you know but looking into the idea that maybe there was something else going on um especially concerning hospitality which we touched on before but the idea that in middle eastern times in ancient middle eastern times hospitality was a humongous deal it was you were expected to protect visitors even your enemies it was almost like this don't ask don't tell policy Mm -hmm. if someone comes to you seeking sort of Asylum. Apparently in and Gamora they're seeking asylum. Yeah. But like at least seeking a shelter for the night you were expected to feed them to give them a place to stay and to protect them at all costs. Mm -hmm. So when people bring up this charge that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was inhospitality. They're not just saying that they were being impolite to their guests. Right. That's not what they're saying. Like that's it's more than that. And you found some extra biblical references to what inhospitality might have been looking like. Is that correct? Yes.
1: There are some extra biblical resources that tell us more about what was possibly going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, In the Talmud, it kind of gives a more full account of what was going on, possibly. Sodomites enjoyed a relatively high standard of living, but the people were very selfish and they didn't want to share any of this goodness with outsiders. So they took this to the extreme. They enacted laws and took great pains to repel travelers, to keep people out. One example of this is in order to enter Sodom, you have to cross a river And the townspeople built a bridge over the river and they would charge a fee to let you cross which doesn't sound too crazy but if let's say you didn't want to pay the cost and you just like swam across the river or took a boat or something the other side they would charge you again double what it would have cost Mm. you to just walk across the bridge so
0: okay that sounds bad but maybe not like burn the whole place down bad (laughs) what else what else did you find about that
1: there are other examples of how the Sodomites were cruel to their visitors. Uh, they would refuse to help beggars who were starving to death, and then almost toy with them. So they would give a beggar a coin that was like marked with their own special mark, and the beggar thinks, "Oh, great! This is I can buy bread. I can not die." They would go try to purchase bread, mm-hmm. and because it was a beggar, someone who wasn't one of their citizens, they would be refused bread. No one would sell them anything, and then when the beggar would finally die of starvation. The townspeople would come back and each get their coins that had their special mark on them, so they weren't out any money, but they got to kind of play with this baker and you know make him think like, okay, Ew. I'm going to be okay, and then and then he dies. So another uh, final example that I found at the Talmud was a, a woman, a citizen, she saw a baker starving and she took pity on him and would slip him bread and scraps and the townspeople realized Mm -hmm. this beggar isn't dying they figured out what was going on and they executed the woman by burning her to death for helping a beggar oh my gosh so wow yeah those take it way more than just they're not just being nice they're being cruel they're mentally and physically cruel
0: yeah and then in our account we see them wanting to rape people they don't even know who so are that all it lines it just, up if yeah yeah so it could be that inhospitality is their offense and in light of the ezekiel passage i think it's safe to say that was at least partially it yeah like yeah. whether or not that's the whole thing that's
1: partially why i think that's a huge are. reason
0: yeah So there's a lot that we don't know for sure theologically. A lot of people will say, well, no, we can say this for sure. But if we're just looking at the text, just looking at the history, you know, there are some interpretations we have to make. Like we have to say, and again, it comes to that application thing, applying it to our ethics today. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to think critically.
1: I was raised in a culture where it's like all parts of the Bible have application to me or to now. Maybe there isn't always an application that we need to draw from it all the time. Maybe at other times in our lives, this means something different, or it hits us in a different way, but just in general, do we have to even have an application? I don't know. You know, I'm really glad you brought that
0: up, because I think that's a big thing that especially American Christianity needs to deal with. I don't know about you, but every... Every service I've been to that try that has um, kind of taught over a specific kind of obscure passage, there's still this application. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that's how preachers are taught to
1: preach. I think I think that's um, true.
0: Yeah, and and it's not to say that there are preachers who don't do that, but I do think that's dangerous because it was not written to us specifically. I think you can get in tricky waters with it. So. Mm-hmm you're absolutely right let's shift gears just a little bit and go on to another juicy i I, juicy just means to me people are probably like why is she saying that word so much i just feel like when it has that game of thrones vibe i will deem it juicy yes this part is that vibe and so it's juicy um (laughs) lot offering his daughters to be raped and then, in a weird turn of events, later being raped by then. What in the world is going on here? What parent in their sane mind is going to do this? Especially someone who is quote-unquote righteous, which mm-hmm. God declares him to be, earlier.
1: What is happening? I, as you even went through the story in the beginning, I again thought, why didn't Lot offer himself? Because if these people were
0: ostensibly
1: trying to commit homosexual acts, he's a guy. So maybe he should have offered himself and he'd yes. still be hospitable because he wasn't giving up the strangers and he was protecting Look his death. daughters because he's
0: their that dad. That is fascinating. And you know, it actually, I think, plays into the idea that this really was about control because I bet there was some dynamic of, well, a lot is technically one of us mm-hmm. he's part of our city he so has influence mm-hmm. right we're not interested in him the daughters are less so women are viewed more on the property level mm-hmm. but then the visitors are like Psh, fair game right
1: so some people say or some interpretations that like, oh, a lot knew they wouldn't harm his daughters I'm like well i don't i don't know if you could yeah. really know that i mean didn't yeah. do the angels intervene to keep that from happening or is there something about the visitors
0: So this is in Genesis 19, and this is after the mob has come to the door. It says, Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. This fellow came here as a foreigner? And now he wants to play the judge. They're talking about Lot at this point. Okay. We'll treat you worse than them. Oh. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break the door. But the men inside reached out. Those would be the angels. Mm -hmm. And pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness. So they couldn't find the door. So that's a little extra plot twist. Yes. Like, it, it does kind of actually play into what we were saying. That lot is one of them but now they're like well actually if we want to get particular you're not one of us and if you're not one of us we'll treat you bad too yeah yeah so it kind of plays into that a little bit and it was
1: good to say at least he was he didn't just like shove his i had this picture in my mind that he just like shoved his daughters out there which wasn't true so he was talking i mean he offered them but he was talking to the mob and everyone else is inside the house so that makes me look at him slightly more charitably i guess then. a
0: little bit and i will say so in the quran there's a different story and the islam and christianity and judaism are the abrahamic religion mm-hmm. so they stem from similar origins so a lot of their initial sacred scriptures are the same i mean <laughs> the old testament contains the jewish torah yes. so clearly with christianity and judaism but then islam the quran is very similar so in the Quran, the story is different slightly mm-hmm. and a lot of Muslims I read online get very upset that Christianity has tainted the name of Lot mm-hmm. with this story so they would believe that Lot said not to take his daughters but said you should go to your own women some of the wording in the mm-hmm. original language it's kind of almost like a play on a play on words from what I gathered but the idea was go back to your women like your wives go back to mm-hmm. what is natural and of course they didn't because this wasn't about just you know Know, being horny. <laughs> this was about trying to assert dominance. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just an interesting thing. When we were starting studying this, I thought because I had been taught the thing that okay, Lot actually knew. That his daughters weren't going to get okay. raped. He's righteous. So you it's knew all that you had that but idea too.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: I had thought that was what everyone thought, and I think predominantly people think this was not a good thing. <laughs> like scholars do not think Lot should have done. But it's not something that's excusable. Yeah. So how do we wrestle with the fact that God calls him righteous, and yet he's doing this sort of thing?
1: This was. What do you think? Interesting, because you had posed this question before we started doing research on our different parts, and. I just thought, okay, this is very interesting. Surely there are probably a lot of different views about how is Lot considered righteous? And so I Googled no. it. You know, this wasn't an exhaustive search, so I'm sure there's more out there. And I was just I wasn't necessarily looking for journal articles at this time. I was just doing a general Google search. Yeah. And there really was nothing that was very satisfactory about this at all that I found. I was mm. just like like sometimes like what you said, well, you know, that he knew the angels would step in or like things like that. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that's, that's true. It doesn't really seem that way. And there were some just really, I would consider just bad answers, but the one that was, I guess the least bad, but didn't really answer the questions is just what you said is that he's considered righteous because God considered him righteous. And that's, That's why. I mean, why are any of us considered righteous? Well, now we would say it's through Jesus and through becoming more like him and God looking at us through that lens. But in the Old Testament, that was a little bit different. But God, multiple times, God has just proclaimed people to be righteous in the Old Testament. Maybe other things happened in Lot's life where there was more character development in him that we don't know about.
0: But along that same train of thought... Lot is declared righteous before he offers his daughter. So are we looking at a lapse in judgment? Are we looking at, you know, something that's not actually characteristic of Lot? Sort of like when you think about David, Mm. how David's considered a really righteous king, and he does some terrible things. He
1: does some real Game of Thrones things. Yes, but he turns, but we see him turning back and repenting.
0: And we see that being abnormal yeah like that wasn't his normal way so i don't know if that's what's going on here and i will say it's interesting to look at how life played out after this there's almost Mm -hmm. like this literary irony that Mm -hmm. happens because after they go into the wilderness
1: the daughters
0: end up raping their dad yeah i had actually never thought of it in terms of
1: rape i hadn't either which i think is yeah right that's just a really interesting thing that that did not process in that way but it didn't yeah.
0: and the reason is because in the bible it says they got their father drunk slept with him to continue their mm-hmm. line and so i always had this kind of reaction of like oh well, that's gross but if you think about what rape is considered you know he was non-consensual he is intoxicated you know that's the big thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: regardless of incest right <laughs> which is also a big thing but um it's just i was like wow to think of it that way you know we see him offering them to be raped we see him getting yes. raped. It's like this whole loop, this cycle of sexual violence, that continues. And I'm sure people could preach whole sermons on implications from that. I was going to say, it,
1: I mean, I know we just talked about not having application for everything, but I, I'm like, this does <laughs> right. show that trauma breeds yeah. trauma, and sometimes literally breeds. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't funny. <laughs> it's not funny. Chitty with the dark humor. <laughs>
0: I was not expecting that.
1: <laughs> but I do. Uh, it's just very, yeah, it's very interesting to look at it that way, which feels very new to me knowing the story for as long as I can remember, but not connecting yeah. those things. I think that does show yeah. the human condition and how generationally these things can happen. And that's yeah part of what makes us human, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, dealing with... The after effects of trauma are a universal human experience. All right. Sam so and Gamora. I don't feel like we've answered a lot of questions. I feel like we've just raised a bunch more questions. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> At least our hope is to give people some resources as they unpack it for themselves. Jenny, thank you for being here and discussing with me. I appreciate you
1: so much. The pleasure. I enjoyed it.
0: If this episode was meaningful to you, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash deconstructing the myth so that episodes like today's keep coming.